you know, if I were to give people a tip getting started, you know, never be afraid to lose your ego. You know, we call it ego subrogation, you know, where you, you know, instead of being all about significance and certainty, you know, you lose a little bit of that and you allow other people to get involved in your investment. Hi, welcome to Ready to Scale Season 3. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman. I'm a real estate investor, syndicator, and operator of multifamily properties. And in this season, we're going to focus on dialogues that drive success. Building real wealth is not a fairy tale nor rocket science, but there's so much to learn. So grab a cup of coffee and join me each week for in-depth conversations with successful real estate investors. Conversations that are designed to help you drive your wealth, investment, knowledge, and lifestyle to the next level. And of course, you can always go to my website, elliperlman.com, to read more about investing passively in multifamily. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. Today is actually March 3rd, 2021. It's a wonderful Wednesday. And today I'm speaking with Ken Van Lu. Ken is an author, educator, engineer, and a real estate coach. And his focus is to take real estate from concept to occupancy, both on the property and at the land level. So Ken is the author of Modern Wealth Building Formula, which we're going to talk about later, how to master real estate invest. And this is also what we're going to discuss. And maybe Ken, you know, maybe his name sounds familiar. And if you're watching us on YouTube, maybe his face looks familiar. And that's because he's been on CBS News, ABC, Fox, and NBC. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Ken to the show. Hey, Ken. Hey, how are you today? Thank you so much for having me on today. Yeah, absolutely. I'm doing great, doing great. So we're having this uh, conversation today and, you know, I'm still in Miami. You're calling me from New Jersey, right? Yes. Just outside of New York City, about 20 miles and raised my kids over here, but been in the city almost every day of my life. So it seems like I live there. <laughs> Well, that's amazing. Your bio is really interesting because you, you do a lot of things. Maybe you can tell us a bit more about how you got to where you are today and what's the most exciting project that you're currently working on. And we'll get, you know, we'll get started from that point. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I never really knew what I wanted to do when I was graduating high school. You know, I wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed. My dad worked for public service, electric and gas. He was climbing telephone poles. My mom was a bank teller. Neither one of them went to school and they told me to go to school. And then I wasn't really a good college student. So I created the six year plan. And fortunately, I was an all state football player. So I had a little bit of mm. gridiron discipline and experience. So after finally, you know, going through three years of torture, and basically failing classes. I met my wife taking Cal two for the third time. She taught me mm -hmm. how to study. I'm still with her today, 38 years later. <laughs> Amazing. I'm glad she taught me how to study. But that led to me graduating in civil engineering. And, you know, when I graduated civil engineering, I won the senior design award. It was a subdivision that I subdivided a 13 acre lot and it planted a seed about development. And I went into civil engineering. And after like six months, I hated it. I hated sitting at the desk and drawing and not talking to anybody. I had a couple of summer jobs working on these big construction projects. And I 
just was wondering what was I going to do. So in working for an attorney at night doing construction claims, I was offered an opportunity to build a 32 unit in Poughkeepsie, New York. And sure enough, I jumped in my car and moved to Poughkeepsie and built my first 32 unit project in the middle of the winter. And I was a project super and project manager. And, you know, I really got a, a nice taste for it. And that led me to a waterfront development working for the left rack organization when I was 26 years old. And I did 960 units. And that was really where things started to take off. It just kept going from there. Wow. And what is the project that you're most excited about that you're working on today? Yeah. You know, today we're working on a pretty exciting project. It's an old turkey farm, believe it or not, in Chester, New Jersey. And we are doing a multi-use development where we're converting this old restaurant, which is on the corner, but and we're keeping an organic farm in the back. But we have a CVS, we have affordable housing, we have medical office buildings, flex office. We also have, you know, a little market rate unit in the back. So a lot of exciting things going on that. You know, it's just been a real exciting career. One of my real exciting projects, it was many years ago, is how I developed a $17 million project using other people's experience and other people's money. It was my first project. I didn't really know what I was doing in real estate. And it just led to the formula. That was the first time the formula was founded, I guess. I didn't really know what it was at that time until 20 years later, you know. How do you convince people to invest with you to take part of your venture if you're not really sure what you're doing, if you're just starting out? I mean, this is something that I know a lot of, you know, young syndicators, for instance, they're trying to figure it out because on the one hand, they need investors' money to make the first deal. And on the other hand, without investors' money, they can get to their first deal. Yeah. It's a chicken and egg scenario, you know, so, you know, you have to take what you can get on the equity side, especially when you don't have the equity infuse into the project where you're bringing in other people's money, but you have the skill sets to facilitate it. So you're in this struggle with, wow, I, I deserve more. I'm entitled to more and I just don't have the money. And, and that's okay, you know, because in life, you know, I, I call, well, for me, it's, you know, some people it's a little gap. I had like a ravine, you know, I had to, I had to build a, a big bridge to get across, you know, because when you're getting started, you know, sometimes you just don't have exactly what it takes to get someone to listen to you and you have to bridge that gap and you know if i were to give people a tip getting started you know never be afraid to lose your ego you know we call it ego subrogation you know where you you know instead of being all about significance and certainty you know you lose a little bit of that and you allow other people to get involved in your investment you know your story is is that you know you have a skill set and you are bringing other investors in to give them an opportunity. You don't have to tell them you don't have money. Or if you want to tell people that, you know, and be honest and that you don't have money, you would tell that to a group of advisors where you'd surround yourself with those advisors. A lot of those advisors are in better financial positions, but collectively you could say that you can put skin in the game. And that's really the key because if you can put some skin in the game and have a little bit of a track record or you're surrounding yourself with a team that shows a track record and then you could show deal flow, you will attract investors to come into your platform and that's what you're really looking for, you know? And then, you know, my other tip is it's about a conversation about what's important to them and what they really care about. So if you're trying to get one, 
when you're starting that conversation, most likely you're not going to get one. So, you know, those are just a couple tips. And when was it that you've done your first deal? I did my first real estate deal. I was in my 30s. I was 31 years old. Great story. I was a project super and working myself up in my career. And then I kind of graduated and I was an executive for a CM firm. And I, I left that firm. You know, I had a, a funny story. My mother-in-law, who, you know, she wasn't my favorite fan, <laughs> but I loved her to death. But she invited me to a golf outing. And I was guilty because, you know, I'm like, I can't join a, a country club. So it was for a recruiting, you know, to go join a country club. But she convinced me, you know, she said, it's my bosses, just go and have fun. And as I was golfing, you know, it was, I was daydreaming going like, wow, maybe one day I can, you know, I could join a country club. So I get home and I find out at the end, you know, there's this $5,000 executive special. I'm like, honey, you know, can we stroke a card? I know we just had the twins. I know we can't afford it but I have this dream. I just want to tell them my story. I know it's going to work. I have to get, you know, I believe in proximity is power. You have to be in proximity of power and money. You may have mentioned that, you know, you're, you're talking with family offices, sophisticated investors. So I go and I, you know, I join this country club. I'm like, woo, you know, playing golf, my fourth round, you know, I'm, I'm hanging out with this hot shot. He's telling me, yeah, I got a hundred guys working for me. I charge $150. I pay him 75. I'm, I'm like calculating my head I'm like, you know, all I could do is ask. I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm going to start this company. I'll give you first right of refusal. I'm going to be buying real estate. I want to form this, you know, group and they'll get first right of refusal. He's like, that sounds great. I'll give you a hundred, but I want to be on your side. I'm like, no problem. So I made him a partner in my company. Next thing I know, I'm doing presentations in the president room, bringing people in, ended up, you know, raising $400,000. But with that hundred, before I did that, I took 25 grand and I bought a 17 acre site. And with that, I went on to build that $17 million project using other people's experience and other people's money. And we built that in 12 months, paid ourselves a development fee because my formula teaches you fee gold. So you pay yourself a development fee, pay yourself general conditions, pay yourself a construction fee, and you do pretty good for yourself. And then you own at the end. So it's all good. You know, it, it teaches how to earn fees as you start your real estate company because I didn't know what I was doing. I knew how to build. I shouldn't say I didn't know how to do anything. And everybody knows how to do something. So that's a person right. that's syndicating, whether you're a social worker, whether you're a bookkeeper, whether you're an accountant, a lawyer, I happen to be an engineer that wasn't doing engineering and I was a construction worker. You can put the pieces together. It's a puzzle. And you know, it's all about your belief systems. And I truly believe anybody can do it. That's 100% correct. What you said really resonates with me. I think there's a misconception that you have to know everything or when investors are investing, they want to invest with someone who has been obviously, you know, in, in the business for a while. But when you're first starting out, you can hire the people with the right knowledge, with all the knowledge that you don't have. So you can basically make up you know, you can create a really strong team. You don't have to be a very gifted asset manager, a very gifted underwriter and extremely, you know, gifted money raiser. You can find where is the piece where your strength is and then partner or hire the people that are experts in that field. I mean, if you look at any successful CEO, Yes, the CEO is dangerous enough, you know, he knows enough or she knows enough to be dangerous, but they're not necessarily 
you know, the top experts, the most experienced people in every field. So what you've described, this is what you call the modern wealth building formula? Yes. Interesting. Would you say that there's some capital needed to invest? Because I can tell you when I built my company, I definitely needed capital. I didn't start Blue Lake while I had my W-2 job. I just went all in. And that including, you know, I didn't take any salaries, but I, I had to invest money to hire people, invest money in marketing, invest money, you know, just hiring underwriters as managers, you know, people that can help me build and scale the company. If someone is starting and they just don't have the capital needed, how can they bypass this issue? That's a great question, you know, because I did it a little different. And you know, I could say, you know, it was it was risky, you know, and what I believe and, you know, it's not, I'm not saying you did anything wrong because capital is always reduces friction and everything that you want to do, you know, when you're kind of getting started and, you know, maybe I just didn't know how to ask for the seed capital. And I, I took a, a little different approach. So the seed capital that I kind of brought in, which was say that hundred, you know, I used, I said to my wife, I'm going to quit my job at 170 grand. We're going to live off five grand a month. She, you know, kind of fell off the chair and got up. And I said, I have this taxation filtration system and the revenue that I'm going to pay myself, all the company is going to pay my expenses. We don't need any revenue. And she's like, you're crazy. But you know what? It worked. And where I really, I guess, extended myself to answer your question was when I started my development process, you know, I had this project and all of a sudden I'm hiring an architect and an engineer and, you know, equivalent to the people that you were talking about. And then I had a planner and then I had a, you know, a, a land use attorney. And then I was doing a traffic study and then I had a civil engineer and all of a sudden I had all these bills and I really didn't have the money to pay but I had raised money and, and then allocated for sources and uses. So I was kind of trickling out the money. But before I got the approval, that was money all at risk. You know, if, if the project would not have gotten approved, you know, I probably would have told those guys to take it on the arm. And they, you know, the point of the relationship that I created with them was, hey, we're going to be in this for the long run. And I'm creating a dream team, which, you know, you're going to be my guy. You know, you're going to do my architecture. You know, if there's a project that doesn't fit for you, you're going to tell me because we have a relationship. Hey, that project doesn't fit for me, but you're my guy and I'm going to be loyal to you. And this is me getting started. And I, I extended myself a couple hundred thousand dollars. And when that thing was approved and then when I eventually closed, I was probably out of pocket 350 that that all of these people believed in me, you know. But sometimes when people are going out of their own, it's hard for them even to believe in themselves, let alone enrolling others to believe in you. And I guess now looking back and that you asked me that question, it's kind of funny because I that's probably the confidence that came from being a decent football player, because it definitely mm -hmm. wasn't from like my college education. I wasn't a great student. Thank God for my wife. <laughs> you know, and the first day she met me, she goes, you know, I saw you burning up my paper. <laughs> I was looking at the answers, but she'll never let me live that down. Got it. Yeah. I mean, it's I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. And in a way, even when the business is established, you know, as sponsors, for instance, a lot of things investors don't really see. So when there's a deal that we paid, you know, the, the hard money down, which is non refundable deposit, pay the lawyers, and then something happened and the deal fell through before we even bring into investors, 
you know, nobody's paying for that. This is the risk that you're taking as a business owner and you have to be comfortable with some level of risk, you know, I don't really know how to call it, but uh, maybe an informed risk when you know, okay, what are the chances to close the deal? What are the chances to lose money? Only when you close the deal and you bring the deal to investors, then you're being compensated, you you know, you charge your fees, but all the other deals that you didn't close and investors don't know about because all of a sudden you, you know, I was actually about to sign a contract a year ago, year and a half ago. And right before we were about to sign the contract, the owner called me and said, hey, there was some issue with the books, let's just say. So obviously, I didn't feel comfortable buying an asset that I don't even know, you know, what's the situation with the books. And the money that I lost on, you know, lawyer's fee and flights and, and all of that, nobody's paying me me that. So that was definitely an interesting kind of experience. To And it happened several times where you pay money, the deals you know, they don't work and you just move on. It's part of it's the cost of doing business. You know, it's basically risk money. Now, speaking about development, what kind of assets do you develop specifically? We will almost build anything. And what we've, I guess, done more of is medical office. We have a bunch mm. of medical offices. We've done a lot of residential we, the CVS is my first CVS, but we've done ice ranks, we've done special projects, we're doing self storage. We haven't really done too much industrial. Retail's been a little limited. We've been in almost every type of project. And, you know, we believe that, you know, if you're able to weather the cycles, you know, it just gives you a little bit more opportunity. So, you know, back in the day where there'd be more of a panic, you know, now we, kind of look where the, you know, where the formula would work and it works a lot of times in entitlement. So I would say recently, besides our developments, we've been buying a lot of land and starting the entitlement process to kind of pack the pipeline a little bit. And we do believe in the next couple of months, there's going to be a lot of opportunities across the nation. And then we'll start looking at buying, you know. Do you think that there's a certain way to protect yourself as a developer in the post-COVID era, we feel that we're reaching towards the end of COVID. And because you've been developing all kinds of asset classes, I'm actually curious to hear from you, which asset classes do you think are the most resilient, the ones that you would say today, you would say, yes, this is a good opportunity. I see the demand and asset classes that you're not going to touch right now, not even going to move forward with. Yeah, I would have to say, you know, industrial is still very, very strong. There's just massive storage requirements. Self-storage, very, very good market. Housing, believe it or not, there's billions of dollars going into single family home developments now. I believe there's continue to be multifamily opportunities. If I were to say stay away from things or to be a little bit more skeptical, you know, which can work in, in instances, you know, if you have tenants, because our medical office buildings are all working. We're affiliated with a lot of hospitals, but you want to be a little more cautious on the commercial side, just because companies are in disarray and they're kind of trying to figure out how to step forward. Retail, we know has been, you know, struggling. Guys like me don't go to the mall anymore. We just shop online, you know? So, you know, there's a lot of things happening on the retail side, but 
other than that, you know, there's a lot of opportunity, I truly believe. And, you know, prices on the residential side are a little high. So, you know, just stick to the basics, you know, stick to the basics, you know, do your due diligence and and move forward. One of the things that I was thinking was basically whether it's important to be local to the market where you're actually developing a deal. Because I can tell you with multifamily properties, the properties are already built. They're already almost fully occupied. doesn't matter if, you know, where I live in the States, as long as I'm, of course, I'm going to have a team that visits and manages the property, some of them on a daily basis, some of them on a weekly or, or quarterly basis. It's easier to manage. When it comes to development, how do you overcome this hurdle? Or do you actually need to be close to the site in order to oversee everything on a daily basis? Great question. So my mentor taught me, you know, when you're getting started in development, you definitely want to do something local. And if you need to drive there, you really want to kind of be within an hour or you're going to have some headaches because when you're doing your first development, you know, you don't know all the questions to ask. And there's a lot of moving parts. And what you learn in big time construction is everybody has an angle and everybody's trying to take advantage of you. Fortunately, I learned that in the city, you know, dealing with every shyster imaginable. So I know all the tricks. But if you're just getting started, you know, there isn't a lot of margin for error. And if you're going to put yourself where you have to jump on a plane versus jump in the car when something's happening, you know, it, it can cause inconvenience for you. Now, if you choose and you have an astronomical opportunity that you can you be right home to grandma about and you're going to retire, then call me. I'll run a, no, I'm just kidding. No, call someone like me who can act as your owner's rep or go to that location where you're doing it and create what we call as relationship managers that are entrenched in those local areas. And then you train them so they can represent you, you know, and, and then you just plan that if it's a big enough development and you have to go there once a week, to sit in a project meeting, but with today's technology, you know, you could see a lot, but I'm the kind of guy I can come to a job site. I can be with a team. I can feel if it's moving at the right pace. I can go on a job site and know if it's humming, you know? So I personally, if I'm, if I'm like the fiduciary responsible party, you know, I'll, I'll end up, you know, visiting the sites and getting a sense for it. But so, you know, getting started, you know, you just want to be smart. You know, you don't want to, you know, if you're getting started and you're going to do something, you know, make sure you have your budget for your travel costs. You don't want to go crazy. I can't afford to get a flight today and I have a problem, you know, so you don't want to put yourself in a situation like that. All right. And just so we end the conversation on the high note, what are you most excited about today? If you're, you know, you're thinking about 2021, what's the most exciting thing that comes to mind right now? Yeah, the most exciting thing is, you know, we have some awesome, we have a speaking engagement coming up in Key West on April 7th through the 10th. We're hanging out with some of the top coaches in the world in the real estate industry. The Modern Wealth Building Formula Digital Program is going to be hitting the market in a few weeks. And it gets me excited because 42% of Americans are retiring with literally less than $10,000. And once the digital formula gets out there, it's going to really start to help people. We're real excited about that. We're going to be breaking ground on the CBS around August. And that's real, real exciting. We are in with a bunch of approvals. We have 
plans to visit 27 countries next year, start speaking the tour, having all kinds of great stuff. I partnered with Dolph DeRoos. He's a New York Times bestselling author and my dear friend. He wrote the foreword to my book and just real excited. And we got all kinds of great things going on. We're working with my partner, Sean Callagy from Unblinded Mastery. He's just a spectacular man. He's actually blind and has a 125-man law firm. And he skis, black diamonds, and surfs. And one of the most wow. amazing men. But we're building something really huge together on the real estate educational front and just paying it forward. So never a dull moment. That's going to be an exciting year for you. Yes, I am so excited. I can't even sleep. All right. Awesome. Well, Ken, we've arrived to the lightning round questions. Are you ready? Yes, I have a lot of fun facts. All right. So the first one is, what's your favorite hobby? My favorite hobby is magic, believe it or not. Magic? Yes. Ah. You know, I can kind of see that. Yeah, like, look, you see this produce a coin. Like <laughs> so if you're listening to the audio version, you haven't seen it. He's basically making money out of the thin air. So I guess you're in the right coaching business. So what's the one thing that most people don't know about you? Yeah, I guess most people don't know that one of my biggest hobbies is magic. And I actually performed close up in the magic castle one time. And uh, wow. it was a lot of fun. And I've been a magician since I was 12 years old. And it helped me get through college hustling at restaurants. And not many people know that. And I used to dress up as a clown. That's what people don't know. When I had my twins to pay for diapers because I couldn't afford it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's a good story. What do you wish that you had known when you just started investing in real estate and starting your development company? Mm. I wish I knew more about mentorship. I didn't know that, I guess you could say there are many shortcuts in life, but you know, looking at people and mirror and modeling people that have been successful, what I really learned is success leaves clues. Yeah. And if I would have known that at a young age, I probably would have just focused in on that, you know, not lost a lot of hours trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. The next question is, what's your number one advice to family offices and high net worth individuals that want to scale and grow their real estate portfolio in 2021? Definitely give us a call. You know, Global Real Estate Strategies is, you know, taking on some worldwide projects. You know, I think, but, you know, not being selfish, you know, I, as I told you before, I'm not trying to get one. I just, we are in conversations with many family offices and, you know, would love to chat with you just to have a conversation. But, you know, I, I think with family offices is, you know, don't necessarily go on the sidelines, you know, keep your, your ear, you know, to what's happening. There's going to be a lot of lot of opportunity. There's a lot of people out there that have projects that are in midstream that you can get involved in, co-GP positions, and there's going to be a lot happening on the real estate front. So, you know, just get ready for some opportunities. It's just another cycle and we'll get through it. All right, Ken, thank you so much for your time today. If anyone wants to reach out to you and talk to you, where can they find you? What's the best way to reach out to you? Yeah, the easiest way, just go to KenVanLu.com. There's a Discover Now button that'll lead if you'd like to have a 45-minute free strategy call with me. Or you can get my book there, I believe. Pay for shipping. I give it away for free. 
it's really to pay it forward and hopefully uh, you guys can make a really successful career or get some great investment projects. And the best part, the formula applies to any type of business. You have to find business, you have to fund business, and you have to facilitate business. I figured it out in real estate and it really applies to anything and it has a lot of good life components. So check it out. I hope you enjoy it and thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. Thank you so much again. And for you, the listeners, I hope that you left the conversation today a little bit smarter and motivated to keep pushing forward and take your business and your real estate portfolio to the next level. Be bold, be great, keep moving forward, and I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.